We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Pilato. We're time. It's time to talk a little bit of linebackers today. We're continuing our draft profile series. We're doing things a little differently this year. We're going to still have some single profiles, especially on the guys like we just did. Uh, Jordan Addison, players who are more commonly mocked to the Giants are expected to go around that 25th overall pick. But as far as guys who we would be interested in taking after that 25th pick for the Giants, whether that be via trade down or with the picks they actually have right now, we're going to group some players together and start to look at the top of the board and discuss multiple players on each podcast. So you're going to start to see those trickle in. Today is linebackers. We're going to talk about the big three in the sense that the three that we most commonly see mock the top. And then one fourth guy that I, spoiler alert, I think I would draft him over every single linebacker with the exception of Jack Campbell. And honestly, I think I might be more willing to make the gamble on this type of prospect than a Campbell-type prospect, though I like both a lot and would be willing to gamble on both. But it's a fourth guy who's not commonly mocked in the top three, and I like much better than the quote-unquote two and three linebackers as far as betting for the next level and making your gamble there. So we're going to get all our thoughts out on that, Nick. But first, I want to ask you overall what your thoughts are on the top of this linebacker class. From a 30,000-foot view standpoint, Nick, we talk a lot in the last podcast when we talked about the centers. Do when do you want to invest in the center position in round one, right? What kind of player makes it what kind of player are you willing to put that kind of massive draft capital into the position for? And I was curious to get your take on linebacker. Where do you view the position overall? And like what makes what kind of linebacker prospect would you feel comfortable investing a top 25 pick in or a top 10 if we're in this position in future years? Things like that, a first round pick. Luke Keekley would be the answer to that. A linebacker who can do everything and who has the processing that puts him into a position to consistently at least have a chance to make tackles for a loss. If you remember Luke Keekley coming out of Boston College, he was always doing that back during the 2012 NFL draft. That was one of my favorite. I don't even know if evaluation is the right term. I was still in the Marines at that time, just got back from my second deployment. And I remember being like, oh, the draft's coming up. This Luke Keekley guy sounds good. And I think Vontez Perfect was in that draft out of Arizona State. And I watched both those guys. And Vontez Perfect was one of the funnest guys to watch, but not because he was necessarily good. It was just because he ran full speed at people's heads. And uh, when you're 22 years old, I guess you kind of think that is, um, I don't know if fun is the right word, Dan, but uh, just something to see. So it was uh, fun to kind of like evaluate those two next to each other. But uh, a player like Luke Keekley, who's going to be a 10-year starter, who can do everything for you, and who's just the smartest guy on the football field, that that's when you invest a top 10 pick into the linebacker position. I pick 25. Look, I think each of these top three linebackers and we'll, the fourth guy that we'll talk about, I have not watched yet and I will get to soon enough, but Dan will give his opinion on that. Each of these three linebackers at pick 25, they can each offer the New York Giants defense something different. We're going to go through what that is. I personally, and I don't want to spoil this, but I don't want the Giants to draft a linebacker at 25. There's way too many issues on this roster right now that I feel like there will be talent at other positions that the Giants should look to invest in, not at the linebacker position. I do feel if you're a team who is complete and who is deficient and has a starters like, let's say, Jalen Smith or Gerard Davis, but the rest of your team is complete, then I can understand why that team would spend a first-round pick at linebacker. But me personally, right now in the Giants situation, I'm not quite there. Yeah, and I think Nick did a great job of explaining what we're going to try to do moving forward on these draft profile um, podcasts. We've, we've looked back at it. We've, we've reconsidered some things. 
And one thing we're going to try to do more of is personalize it to the actual team that you guys are following, the Giants, right? As we look through each prospect, we'll try to break down how did they fit what the Giants want to do both schematically and from then a positional standpoint and where they're at on the roster. And I think Nick brings up a great point in doing so and saying, look, the Giants signed Bobby Okereke. At this stage, they're not as in dire need of a linebacker anymore, especially when you consider how often this team with Wink Martindale's defensive coordinator like to run sub packages that don't have linebackers on the field. Now you ask yourself, is that because he didn't have linebackers last year? Maybe, but you look back at the Ravens days too, and you see a lot of sub packages with only one linebacker on the field. Sometimes most two linebackers on the field. This is a coordinator who wants to put defensive backs on the field. That's simply put, he needs to get defensive backs on the field for his system. It works better. So we have to consider that after the giants make a big investment in a Bobby Okereke, a guy who they're going to have on the field with amazing sideline to sideline range. I love that about Okereke. It's my favorite part about his game. And they're going to have them on the field for most of the snaps at that linebacker position that leaves a smaller you know, portion left. So when Nick says, I don't want to invest a 25 in a linebacker, given the giant situation, I completely agree. But I also take it a step back further and I say, if I'm not getting that obvious Luke Keekley, Patrick Willis type prospect, that linebacker, I don't want to invest a first round pick anyway, because I know I can get guys in rounds three, four, five, six, seven that are going to potentially be better. Matt Milano was like a fifth, six, seven round pick. I loved him coming out of BC and no, and he had all these warts, quote unquote, same thing with Fred Warner, the third round pick of the Niners, all these quote unquote warts. And the list goes on and on of guys that you can get at this position. You have to scout it right. And they have to, you have to, you know, obviously they have to take to your coaching and they have to be the right fit from every other standpoint, character, everything like that. But it's not a position where I would take a, I would use my first round draft cap. But it's very much so like center for me. If I'm not getting a Keekly, if I'm not getting a rag now, if I'm not getting a Mangold, I just don't want to invest that premium asset there. And so I'm with Nick in this class with the group that we're going to talk about today, the big three, and then a fourth guy who I like a, a lot as much as uh, Campbell, if not more than more than the rest, and certainly more than the rest of them. I still wouldn't want to use a first round pick. We start to get into round two since the Giants are picking late in round two this year. I start to get more intrigued. I'm interested. I'd be down for it. Round three, that's where I really think the sweet spot is. Round three, round four, but even more so round three is where you can really find a guy I think that can transform that group at a, at a smaller investment. So, Nick, let's kick things off with the, I would say, consensus linebacker one in this class. And by the way, we're talking off-ball linebackers here. We're not talking, you know, the Ojolaris of this class, the guys who are on the edge that are considered linebackers, but they're really pass rushers and we're talking the off-ball guys, you know, the players who you saw play for the last year for the Giants, Calitro, uh, uh, Jalen Smith, <laughs> Krat, and J Jared Davis. I don't want to bring back flashbacks, but getting those guys off the field for somebody like this is what we're talking about. And we obviously already Bobby Okereke in the mix. We know that. So let's start with the consensus 1-1 here. Jack Campbell out of Iowa. This is a player who's six foot four, two forty nine. Very big, good height for a linebacker. Ninety six percentile height. Weight also really good, eighty fourth percentile. And yet, despite that, the fact that he's a longer athlete at the linebacker position, a bigger athlete, he tested incredibly well at the combine from an athleticism standpoint. Which I think Nick and I agree on because I talked to him off pod. I don't want to put words in his mouth ever, but I know this is true because I just asked him before his pod. He's not as good athlete on film. It doesn't look like as he tested out, but he is a fine athlete, but he's just not this elite. And as he tested, so here's the elite testing numbers that he had. Um, so 84th percentile vert jump, 94th percentile broad jump, crazy 95th percentile three going. So three cone is showing off the change of direction skills, the broad jump and the vert are showing off explosiveness. He definitely tested as a better athlete, but he's not a bad athlete at all. And he finished his last season second among all linebackers in PFF grade 91.7. Again, it's PFF grade. We don't want to put too much weight in it, but it's worth something. And that includes his coverage ability. His coverage grade was 92.9, which is leading all linebackers. And I think that's what kind of stood out most for me watching Jack Campbell. It's not what you would expect to hear first, Nick, but for me, it was. He was really savvy and really smart in zone coverage. I felt like he always had his eyes in the right place. He always knew where to be. He's not going to be that linebacker who matches up one-on-one -on -one against an Alvin Kamara type. But guess what? No one can do that. Like, that's the funny thing about that. We always say that, but like literally Fred Warner and what? And what else in the NFL even does that? There's no other linebackers who are basically doing that. So I don't even look for that anymore because I just figure if you get a running back or like a Camara type matched up against a linebacker one-on-one -on -one and it's man coverage. God bless the offense wins that rep. Like there's just nothing you can really do about it. So 
outside of that, I felt like he was really good in zone coverage. And that's what I look for at the linebacker position. So I start there, Nick, because that's what stood out to me. But where do you want to start with Jack Campbell or any thoughts on any of that? We could start with just that zone coverage element. I mean, he had the one-handed interception against C.J. Stroud this past season. That was in zone coverage. And I think it's important when we're talking about Jack Campbell, A, to list his accolades. Look, this guy won the Buckus Award as the top linebacker in the country. He also won the William V. Campbell Award, which is basically known as the academic Heisman. And that really translates through his tape because he's smart. He's smart in terms of reading his keys. I've said this on previous podcasts. A lot of the other linebackers that I've seen in this class, and I have not seen them all, but a lot of the other linebackers I've seen in this class are kind of just athletes who are running around out there who are see ball, get ball, whereas Jack Campbell understands how to play linebacker, and that's valuable because it's rare that he's ever at a position at the second level. He really knows how to read those keys, how to diagnose, how to win that cat and mouse game against that running back, where to be, when to be there. And that translates to zone coverage, to your point, Dan. He understands route combinations. It's not often where he is being fooled with routes coming in behind him. And the fact that he is six foot five and has long arms, they really make those throwing windows that much tighter. So looking at him from a 30,000 foot view, as Dan likes to say, I think there's really not any glaring weakness about his game because he can come forward. He can drop into coverage. I think he's a physical player. I mean, I know he had a, um, how many missed tackles? He had a missed tackle rate of 8.9% last year. In the last two seasons. Yeah, but still, that's an 8.9. It's all sub 10%. So he's making a lot of tackles, this guy. According to Pro Football Focus, he had 95 in 2021 and 83 in 2022. And those are just solo tackles, I believe. I mean, you quote, Don't quote me on that. And the, the stops, too. He had 51 stops, 56 stops at the line of scrimmage. This is somebody who is going to really shore up your rushing attack. Now, is he somebody who is going to blitz often? Look, Iowa used him, I would say, effectively as a blitzer. I think he had 15 pressures and 14 in the last two seasons. I wouldn't say he is as explosive of a blitzer as the other linebackers that we're going to be going over here, but can he do it? Yes, absolutely. So I think he is going to be a complete linebacker in the league and somebody who will be a longtime starter. And if you want to talk about smart, tough, and dependable, I really think Jack Campbell fits that bill. And I think Joe Shane would really like him. I just don't know if the Giants would explore that at 25. Yeah, and I don't know if they'll need to, honestly. I, again, we always talk about these guys. Oh, they're going to come off the board so early. John Michael Schmitz, J Jack Campbell. They're linebackers and centers. The NFL lets these guys fall every single year. Better players at their positions fall every single year. You talked about Creed Humphrey. How the hell did he end up in the mid-60s? He was a better prospect than John Michael Schmitz. It happens. This is what happens in the NFL. They don't value center and off-ball linebackers. They don't want to, they're like what we just talked about earlier, right? Like They don't have the surefire thing. They don't want to invest a premium asset in it because they know they can get it later. So I do think there's a chance any of these guys could be available for the Giants when they pick in the second round. As far as Jack Campbell goes back to him, you're right. He, uh, it seems like he had a lot of missed tackles, 12 and 14, but it was more so because he had just so many tackles. His actual rates, which you went over, are good. I want to talk about some things that stand out to me, uh, just more concerns as they project to the next level. And I want to get your take on those, Nick, because for me, as anyone who listens to the podcast knows, and you're well aware of this, Nick. For me, I'm just mostly projecting when it comes to NFL drafts and prospects. I like the projection. I like basing things on how they will look at the NFL level against actual you know, NFL talent versus Big Ten or whatever they're playing in. And so one thing that I am curious about with Campbell is watching him, I felt like more of what he did a good job of was like, like you said, the football sat in the run game. Now I'm talking about specifically, right? We already talked about zone coverage. This is specific to the run game, Nick. More of what I liked about him was his ability to kind of like, have that IQ and like sift through and understand like where to go and get around rather than like take on blockers and like push them back and then fire out and 12 and 14 missed tackles on a percentage basis. Wasn't that bad, but it's something to think about when I'm considering him moving to the next level. Like when he faces bigger NFL running backs, guys who are like 240, the Ramondre Stevenson's of the world, the powerful guys. Do you think that there's any chance that he could be less of an effective run stopper because of that? Because yeah, more so on his film, you see him kind of like he, he stacks and sheds, but you see him kind of getting around the the blockers and making plays like that. Do you think there's any any chance that given and he has the size of 249, but I don't know if he's that as strong as he as he um, weighs. Do you think there's any problem there or anything that concerns you at all with that? I'm not really concerned about it. I mean, okay. yeah, sure. There's a chance because it's a jump in competition and you're playing against grown ass men and not, you know, 19, 20 year old kids. 
there's a chance, but it's not something that I'm necessarily concerned about with Jack Campbell. I, I think in terms of the stacking and shedding, I, I saw him stack and shed plenty throughout his film. Like I see him stack and shed a lot more than these other linebackers were about to, yeah. to go over. I also just think he understands angles. He understands positioning. He understands how to leverage his gaps. He understands where his teammates are going to be, which is going to influence the running back to go in a certain direction. So he had a lot of trust in that Iowa defense, which is really coached well by Kirk Ferentz up there, the Hawkeye, Hawkeye Nation, you know, you know, our good old friend, big old Hawkeye fan there, Dan, our mutual friend. But I, uh, I'm not really overly worried about him being somebody who's going to be a missed tackle nightmare at the next level, but it is a jumping competition. Yes. And I, and I like that. Cause I think you're right. There are plenty of examples of stacking chat. I think what you got to the second point is what stood out to me though. Like just how he understood angles. I thought it was really savvy and interesting and good, but yeah, versus this class, he is still the best at that. This is not, I don't know. We'll go over the next two guys who I'm not high on at all, but it's just not, in my opinion, the best linebacker class, with the exception of Campbell no. and then one other, one other guy will go over. But another thing that was something I wanted to bring up to you is you mentioned how there wasn't really much uh, deficiency in his game, which I agree with. There's not really much to nitpick here. But one thing just from a translation standpoint, I do – don't I don't think he's the most I just say this because I watch these four guys like back to back to back. So I'm just comparing them. I don't think he's really the most twitchy athlete. I think he's, he's kind of more yeah. And and that's weird because he has like a broad jump that's great and a vert jump that seems like explosiveness. And then the and then you see the three cone 95th percentile and you're like, change of direction. I think he does do a pretty good job, just like as far as just a twitchy athlete that's gonna react, read and react. And that leads me to the next thing that I would say is not his game. And I was talking about this with Bobby Okereke, which my favorite thing about watching Bobby Okereke was just his ability to just get to sideline to sideline really, really fast and just make those kind of plays on outside runs. And what did the Giants get killed by last year? Those outside runs. So that was important. I don't feel like Campbell's the rangiest of linebackers, the, the, the sideline to sideline. Type. I think he's more of the kind of straightforward type. I'm right there with you. I have that in my weaknesses over at Giants country in my profile for him. I have sufficient athlete, but not a dynamic one. Hips need some WD-40, but <laughs> only some because he's a linebacker. He's not a corner. He's not a safety. Average sideline to sideline range in foot speed. And I also had, to the missed tackle point, had several missed tackles in the 2022 bowl game against Kentucky. So those are some of the things that I think we've already gone over. I also say that he's not the biggest thumper in the position. Teams attempted to attack him in man coverage. I don't think those teams had huge success, but at the next level against Alvin Kamara, for instance, it's plausible that they might. May not be ideal for man coverage at the next level, but he was adequate enough so those are some of the things that I have on, on his film. And then I don't know if you watched. Did you watch the Michigan game? I did watch Michigan. That's on there. So quarter four, about a minute left in the game. Blake Corum, who is a very talented running back at Michigan, kind of stole Jack Campbell's pride, I would say, on a, <laughs> on a juke. Did you, did you see that play at yeah. the end of the game? Yeah. Yeah. Jack Campbell tried to go. He like scraped over the top, positioned himself well, and Blake Corum just hit him with the juke, hit him with the stanky leg. And Jack Campbell just like kind of fell. It, it was like, Oh my God. It, was, like, it almost it was, was like, a, it was weird. Like it was, it was a juke, but it was almost like a tempo juke. It was kind of just like he froze him up there and then just exploded through it. I know exactly exactly you're talking about. It's one of those, mo it looked like one of those moments and I'm not trying to be disrespectful and I love yeah. Jack Campbell. So don't get me wrong, but it did kind of look like one of those moments where like your life flashes before your eyes and you're like, <laughs> Oh my God, like how am I going to get this guy? And Blake Corm absolutely won that rep against Michigan again, another a very talented running back in his own right. But those are some of my concerns about, about Jack Campbell, but like we went over all the things that he, he does well, like a sufficient athlete, excellent size, tough player, very smart in terms of really every aspect of playing football reportedly has leadership qualities within that uh, Iowa program that can translate to the next level. I think he can stack and shed a good overall tackler, large tackle radius. I don't think he is the most powerful tackler. He's not somebody who is going to light you up like a Vontez perfect, for instance, but he keeps his feet churning through contact. Right. So he's somebody who's not going to, I don't think, get bitched at the next level. So that's kind of where I'm at. And then whenever we're ready, I'll uh, I can read my overall synopsis on him as well. Yeah, I'll just give my quick takeaways on that. I think as Nick broke down there, there's a lot to like about somebody with this kind of profile. Right. He's insanely smart great football IQ and that shows up both in the run game as Nick said as he 
uh, picks through those angles. And in the past game, it's really good in zone coverage. I like that a lot about him. I think that's what I like most about Jack Campbell, how he's going to translate early in coverage because everyone's so focused on what you talked about with the Alvin Kamara one-on-one stuff. That stuff happens so rarely at the NFL. We know having Saquon Barkley, how many times do we even see these arrow routes and all these things that everyone's so concerned with? What we really see is teams playing a shit ton of zone defense these days in the NFL. Even the Giants, right? They're a man-heavy team. It doesn't matter. They play a lot of zone. Everyone in the NFL plays zone these days. It's how you beat quarterbacks. They can't beat zone. Uh, most quarterbacks can't beat zone coverage these days. So, and they're not willing to throw the whole shot. So, you you take a player like this, and you're immediately getting an amazing linebacker in zone coverage, but next to a Karake. So, I like that a lot about his game. And like Nick said, there are other attributes too: the leadership, all that smart, tough, dependable stuff that Nick put in his, uh, you know, put talked about today and put in his profile. That's the stuff Joe Shane loves. We know that already, right? Like, this is the type of thing that's going to appeal to a GM like Joe Shane and a coach like Brian Dable. So, let's get into your overall synopsis. But I am definitely very high on Jack Campbell, especially if he falls to the second round where the Giants are picking. Okay, sounds good. Here we go. Jack Campbell has excellent size and leadership intangibles. He's a smart player who isn't out of position often, understands his keys, and knows how to stack and shed offensive linemen to leverage his gaps. He has smart, tough, and dependable written all throughout his tape. His eye discipline, reactive quickness, and calm nature on the football field will be valued by whoever selects him in the upcoming draft. Most linebackers in college are athletes running around making plays and leveraging their athletic gifts. Campbell is a true inside linebacker who understands the nuance of reading concepts, shedding blocks, and playing defense. He's not the most dynamic athlete at linebacker, but he's sufficient as an athlete. He can play in the NFL. He's not the biggest hitter at linebacker, nor will he consistently carry the number three receiver up the seam, but he'll be where he needs to in terms of fitting the run and in zone coverage. The combine could treat Campbell very well. This is a little bit of prognostication. I wrote this before the combine. If he tests above average as an athlete, although his athletic profile isn't excellent, I believe he's much more than a two down linebacker and he can play on passing downs in sub packages. Campbell is a true Mike at the next level and he should make a team very happy somewhere early on day two in the draft. Yeah, I think that's perfectly said. And I think he is a three down. I think he projects more so than, than the next two guys we're going to talk about, by the way, who are the, supposed linebacker two, three in this class, though I would not take them two or three as a three down guy. And if you're taking anyone near 25 or honestly, dude, if you're even taking someone at 57 at off ball linebacker, you better have some kind of plan for him to play three downs, or at least the upside of him playing three down, taking a two down linebacker at 57 or whatever it is. That to me is no good at all. I'd rather gamble on a Cordell flot any day. And I know flot was 81. He was the next round, but I'd rather even gamble on that over a two down line, someone with two down linebacker upside. That to me is a bad bet, but let's talk about the next player because it's funny in your, Breakdown of Jack Campbell right there, the synopsis. You talked about how, and I think this is an astute point, how when you watch a lot of linebacker tape at the college level, most of the time it's just athletes running around with their hair on fire. And I do feel like that's the case in some ways for this next guy we're going to talk about, who is the prototypical look-the-part kind of guy. He's exactly what you want at linebacker. Like he's, he's built in a lab type of player. Former five-star recruit in 2020 so he's got the big recruiting background trenton simpson looks the part for sure he has all the physical attributes let's go over those right now i don't think i have these down uh i have his mock draftable comparables i don't have his actual i didn't get his act you have his height and and uh weight at the yeah he's six foot two 235 pounds okay. with 32 and three eighth inch arms and big 10 and one fourth inch hands he only ran the 40 and did the bench press at the combine but i believe he did take part in those drills and if i remember correctly he looked really fluid in those yes. drills and he also did that as pro day as well with wink martindale watching which a lot of with wink martindale watching yeah yep which is interesting yeah. and i'm happy yeah. you noted that those yeah. are always good yeah. things to point out we have Go ahead. Yeah, it, it was important. And that doesn't mean that Wink Martindale is going to be like, oh, we need Trenton Simpson or anything, not even maybe in the second round, because Brian Brezzi is another player who played for Clemson, yeah. the defensive lineman who I think the Giants could be interested in, despite the fact that he doesn't have a lot of production in college, but there are a lot of traits. And he was also the number one ranked recruit in the 2020 draft class out of Damascus High School in Maryland. That's Brezzi I'm talking about. It's just Clemson's just a, it's like a glutton of riches, bro. Like they, they get five-star after five-star after five-star. But back to Trenton Simpson, I think it's important to, to go over how he would look in Wink Martindale's defense. You brought up before the amount of quarter that the Giants ran. If the Giants were to actually have competent linebackers in 2022, is it plausible that they would have ran a little bit more nickel, maybe a little bit more? And they did run a decent amount of nickel, but they would have had their linebackers on the football field because their linebackers can handle a lot of defensive back responsibilities. And I think that's the 
the, the upside of adding someone like Trenton Simpson. And I'll just say this flat out. I am not interested in Trenton Simpson at pick 25. I don't love his tape. I thought he was, I think he can do a lot of things at a solid level. He's very versatile. So he's like a chess piece at the second level for you. And Clemson used him in that manner. He was aligned all over the defense for them, but I don't necessarily think he does anything excellently. And in terms of early downs and playing the run, I have some concerns, especially if we're talking about going up against inside zone duo teams, say if it is base personnel or even nickel personnel, when you have an offensive lineman climbing up to the second level, yes, he's quick. He's a good athlete, but I don't necessarily trust his ability to keep his chest clean and put himself into position like a Jack Campbell does. I, I saw some issues with that, but if you need somebody who can cover a tight end, if you need somebody who can be that even apex defender when you are in heavier defensive personnel, he is, I feel like, a good enough athlete to keep up with certain offensive players. And if they, these RPO teams, these, these, these zone read teams, like the Eagles and stuff, having a player like there's value in having a player like Trenton Simpson, who can spy Jalen hurts, who can play the RPO. And if it is a handoff can also fit the run at a sufficient level. Yeah. You nailed it there. The things that I like about his game are really just twofold for me. And it's one, his ability to rush the passer moving forward up the a gap so it's not even really that edge type thing you're not really getting a micah parsons type possibility out of this it's just simply that a gap rushing which i know in the past wink marndale's been interesting he had a 87.1 pass rushing grade uh during his best season at clemson according to pro football focus seven sacks in that year and that's one and the second thing is exactly what you said it's just that line of scrimmage spy type guy against zone read or you know, if you're not facing zone read, but Jalen Hurts is is potentially taking off or those types of quarterbacks are taking off. I like his ability to move forward and eat up space and stop those from being big plays. I think he's that athletic that it could work. He's really good moving forward. But then there's just so many holes in his profile. So first, let me talk about the positives real quick, at least from a projection standpoint, what people are going to be looking at. We talked about five-star recruit. We talked about he looks the part. He's also 97 percentile 40-yard dash, which people are going to love. I mean, he is running like a wide receiver out there in the 40. And the 10-yard split, 85th percentile. So that shows his quickness, his burst. The Giants in the past have really put a stress on 10-yard split because obviously the linebacker position is extremely important to be really fast in 10 yards. You guys can put that two and two together in your head for as to why. And then he has like good other parts about his game, huge hand size. He can bench press 75th percentile. You know, he's rocked up. You look at him out there. He just looks like there's not an ounce of fat on his body. And I do like the one thing you said, Nick, about how like maybe there's upside for him covering tight ends. I don't know if I see it as much as you, but I get why you would say that. And he played that overhang position in 2021 a little bit, like the old Isaiah Simmons position in that Clemson defense, which is a very unique defense, which some people believe, you know, doesn't translate that well to the NFL. I don't know about that, but I know that was part of the issue with Isaiah Simmons when he came out of Clemson. So he Venables, has that. Venables isn't there anymore either. That's a different defensive coordinator. It's still that okay. same type same of idea, philosophy. Yeah. And like, if yeah. you just look, watch the tape, I know you did with Trenton Simpson. The, the guy is aligned like, towards the numbers sometimes like he's aligned way out there he's aligned on the it's edge weird. he's aligned everywhere and that there is value and there is merit to that but as i said a little bit earlier like there isn't one thing that he does other than just looking the part and being the athlete and the athlete trust me that's very important but there isn't one thing that i'm like oh man like the giants can get that one trade on the defense it will take it to the next level he does everything you know solidly at the collegiate level I didn't see one thing like I saw with Jack Campbell and like I see with Drew Sanders. That's like, yeah, that's the trait that we need for the New York Giants. You know, I just th think that the versatile nature of him is something that Wink Martindale can certainly leverage. And I do think the value is there in terms of playing him against these RPO heavy teams and these teams with mobile quarterbacks because he is such a good athlete. And that would be the one thing I guess he could bring. It's just a matter of how much value is that, right? To have a spy yeah. and have someone who can move forward as a blitzer and go straight down the line. And you never know, though. Like, Wink Martindale could look at him and be like, yeah, I agree with you, Nick Flotta. He's not going to talk to you, Nick. But if he had a conversation with you, Nick, he could be like, I agree with you, Nick Flotta, on what you just said. But I also think, as a coach, I can unlock all this other stuff based on the fact that he already is the athlete we need him to be. But I don't like – personally, I wouldn't want to make a gamble on somebody like him because it's not. it's like – not only is everything you said true, but there's also just no production from him, right? He doesn't have a single interception his entire career. Two total pass breakups in his entire career. So he's supposedly this guy who maybe you can hope that can play the overhang at the next level or like match up against a tight end in the slot. Yet he doesn't make any plays on the ball ever. That's not great. And he's supposed to be a longer athlete. That's not great either. 
Um, and then I just feel like when I watch him in coverage and he's in zone or something like that, he's just late in coverage a lot. He's not getting in the passing lanes a lot. His eyes are not in a good spot. I don't feel like he's a savvy uh, cover guy in zone either. So I just think he could be a mess there completely in coverage, potentially, uh, at least at first. And then just as a run stopper, like you said, it's not there either. So I don't really know what he brings outside of looking the part and just pure projection. And projection is, is important to me. I just made that clear in the last thing. But I don't like just like the pure projections where it's just like there's no production at all. And there's not, and you don't really see for sure if just like I almost feel like he's an athlete almost in how he looks more than how he moves out there, if that makes sense. Just like how he tests, I should say, more than how he moves. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't think that's unfair. And I know people are going to see some highlights like the Georgia tech highlight where he blew up the screen or like just past the line of scrimmage and, and plays like that and be like, I don't know what you're talking about, but, but I saw that too, Dan, there were times where look, the, the running back might've had a slight step to the edge and he got outpaced to the numbers and got outpaced to the sideline. And for somebody who is a 97th percentile, 40 yard dash player at linebacker, you would think that he would be able to cut off that angle and make the tackle. There were certain plays I see the athletic ability though on tape. And I also see everything that you brought up in terms of the concerns and coverage. Like he doesn't really know what's going on behind him a lot. Like I don't like him in zone coverage with, with routes behind him. I can go through some of the weaknesses if you want, like, look, just some of the other positives. I just want to make one thing clear first. I, I, I don't want to make it seem like I don't think he's a good athlete. I think he's a great straight line athlete. I don't think he's a great lateral athlete. And to me, I, I, I would you could make an argument for what's more important to me at linebacker. It's more important to be a lateral athlete. I would agree. I think he's, I don't think he's a great one. I think he's a good one. I think he's sufficient enough to change direction, to open his straight hips. line. Or you're talking about lateral? No, no, no. I'm talking about lateral as well, but I, I think if he was a little bit more smooth as a lateral athlete, you would be talking about a different type of athlete at the linebacker position. I do think he is maybe he's definitely exceptional in terms of his linear speed. I don't think he's exceptional in terms of his lateral speed, but I still think it's probably slightly above average. And he has That's the range. True. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. He has the range, but there were, as I brought up a little bit before, there were times where I was like, oh man, come on, get that, get that guy, you know, but it's like 190 pound running back. So how difficult is it for him to cut off that angle? It's, it's, it true. is kind of difficult. I think he has that man coverage upside. I do, but you didn't really see it all that often. He had the one play against Wake Forest where he carried the tight end. It looked like it could have been pass interference, but he carried the tight end. It was a three-by-one set. He came from the opposite hash to get to that number three, cut off the angle, and then broke up the pass. Wasn't flagged. Could have been arguments. Maybe it could have been, but either way, you saw the upside of his ability to do that. And everyone's looking for a Fred Warner. I don't think this guy's Fred Warner. He doesn't have that type of coverage skills, but he d he is a really good athlete at the quarter or at the linebacker. I almost said quarterback at the linebacker position, and he's very explosive and he has the pop on contact and he's kind of a violent yep. tackler, right? And I think you, as I said, you could do a lot of different things with him. But I'll go through some of my weaknesses, man. Like there's frustrating over pursuits in the box with Trenton Simpson, man. Like he can improve how he frames his tackles and the angle that he takes to make the tackle. Cause there are times where these nimble footed running backs just juke back inside and he doesn't even like stop. He just like flies past them. So that was one thing I, I didn't appreciate. He had an 11% missed tackle rate with 12% because it's 11.7. Yep. So it's not terrible. It's not good though. You know, like it's not, it's not excellent. 
I say he has a lot of unconventional value, Dan. It's just like, will he hold up in the box though? And what I mean by unconventional value is kind of like what I was talking about before. He could do a lot of different things that you ask him to, but do you need him to play true linebacker? How is he going to hold up at the next level? I think that is a fair question to ask. Has a lot of areas to improve as a true linebacker, as, as I brought up. A lot of missteps. I feel like he ran himself out of plays. I did not really see a player who knew how to sufficiently key and diagnose and put himself into an optimal position to stop the run. That was something else that kind of came up on uh, on film while he was the overhang apex defender he was really just inconsistent with reacting to what he saw he was slow to react at times didn't really know what was going on behind him all that often there was miscommunications and match and zone covered one led to a touchdown in 2022 he only had one year with over 210 snaps in the box that's another reason why he is raw because he was being used all over the place so and I also don't think he is a, a refined blitzer. I think he is a plus blitzer. I think there's a ton of upside of him coming forward. That's one thing I like, but I want to get your opinion on this because I believe you brought up his ability to go come forward a little bit earlier in the podcast. He's not refined. It's like a bull in the China shop and yeah. he's just kind of running into people and just like flailing like Drew Sanders and he was an edge at Alabama. He is much more refined coming forward than a Trenton Simpson. What were your thoughts on that? I think you nailed that perfectly. I don't have any extra nope. on that because just you, you hit that perfectly. Okay. And then just, we already brought this up the marginal feel for routes behind him in zone coverage. Yeah. I feel like he does a solid job when the routes are in front of him. He had one PBU. One of his PBUs was him coming downhill on a, on a drag route that he read. He reacted really well. He was dialed in, but there were just so many times I was like, bro, the slant is behind you. What are you doing? And there's like no route holding you in position, like <laughs> sink underneath that. And then the throw goes right beyond his reach. And it's just like, just frustrating. Jalen so like <laughs> he's, he's a little raw. He, he's raw. Um, I don't, I definitely don't want him at 25. I think Wink Martindale would be able to do a lot of things with this player because of his athletic ability. But I think it would be a player that we would be a little bit frustrated about early on. For sure. And you broke down all of those weaknesses, all concerns I have as well. And when I say before, like, I feel like he's more of a straight line athlete than a lateral athlete. It's only to say that he's an elite straight line athlete. And I still think he's a very, very fluid, good lateral athlete. But my point was when you have a full profile, like we just broke down with no actual production in the past game, two pass breakups, no interceptions, not that much production overall, really outside of your sacks with season eight, seven and a half sacks. And he was, uh, you know, good pass rusher that year. You need to be a perfect athlete almost for me, for you to be talked about in this discussion. Like you can't have any issues there, in my opinion, at all. You have to be like the most elite of elite. So it's just a pure projection. Like you said, oh, Wink Martindale gets this ball of clay and he just molds him into what he can be. And that's just like a big gamble for me here that I don't necessarily think is necessary, especially at definitely not at pick 25 for me. And then really not even at pick 57. Is it 57 we have in round two? I always make every year I get these like one off. I think it's 58. But I can 58. All right. I feel like every yeah, year I do like a 72 when it's a 73 or a 50. And then by the time draft comes, I know it for sure. Uh, I think I brought this up to you in the past, but I have trust issues with Tankathon, which is a good I way know. to look up what pick you have. I have trust issues with them because my first year covering the NFL draft, I was unpaid doing it for Inside the Pylon. I did a mock draft for the Giants on Inside the Pylon, and I was getting eviscerated in the comments because I went to Tankathon and trusted them, and the Giants actually didn't have one of the picks that I read, read about, and someone's like, this guy covers the Giants? He doesn't know shit. Ever since then, I had these trust issues with Tankathon, and I can't trust them anymore. Oh, it's scary. devastating. I'll read my synopsis on Trenton Simpson, and we can move on to Mr. Drew Sanders himself. <clears throat> Trenton Simpson is an explosive athlete with experience wearing many hats for Clemson's defense. He looks the part and is a physical player who is at the, at his best coming forward as a blitzer or as a quarterback spy. Potential as a solid man coverage player is easily within his range of outcomes, and he's solid in zone coverage with routes in front of him, but struggles with miscommunications and struggles to identify routes behind him. Simpson didn't consistently stack and shed within the box and position himself advantageously to take appropriate angles as a box defender. There were some frustrating missteps on tape. Still, few linebackers have his athletic profile, length, and potential. Simpson is still a raw player for a traditional linebacker, which may not be his ideal fit in the NFL. However, a team with a more positionless, multiple front defense that likes to blitz would benefit with Simpson around their program. He's not quite refined at linebacker, nor is he technically sound as a pass rusher, but there's potential traits and a work ethic that suggests he'll scratch the surface of his possibilities. He would be a good fit with the giants, but 25 is too rich in my opinion. 
Yeah, I think he nailed it well because there is he is still a good fit for the Giants based on Week Martindale's system, and there is still like that role. Immediately he comes in and he helps you when spying quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts and playing zone read. But like, how much is that worth? That's the question you got to ask yourself because if the rest is going to take time and may not even ever get there, that little bit you offer to a team to me is not worth all that much compared to what you can get from some a some of these other linebackers that we're going to go over or we already have at one point with Campbell and just be other positions and other things that can help your football team in different ways. And there's also like reportedly he is a very dialed in type of individual. His father was, I believe, lieutenant colonel in the army. And if I got that wrong, I mean, someone just smacked me right in the face. But he was wow. If, you, if, if that if he was an actual marine or anything, no, else, I know he wasn't a marine. No, I know he wasn't a marine, but it could have been. Just called him army. You better be careful yeah. with calling people army. You better be. You know. You know. You can't do that, Nick. I mean, I believe it was. The, I know it wasn't the Marines. It could have been the Air Force. There's no way though. to disrespect the Marine more than by mistake saying he was by thinking mil- yeah, the word military in your head, but then saying because uh, for some reason for a while in my life I just like interchanged the words military and army in my head as just like you're in the army or the military. It's like yeah, the same was- thing. No, trust me, it's not the same thing. You tell Marine Army by mistake, and I've done this with Nick before. He just go off on you. Yeah, I never went off on you. I just yeah, didn't no, like kidding. He, he was civilian. He doesn't. Your version. He, he doesn't off. know. Your version. But he was a. Uh, you don't really go off on anyone. He's a. He was a U.S. Army Ranger, which is okay. which is which is pretty awesome. So and he just was a sergeant major the army. It's more of a specialized. <laughs> yeah, get you going there. <laughs> I'm not going to disparage the army. I know. I know. No. I know. But they're they're yeah. they're a specialized branch of the army, and he was a sergeant major, meaning he was an enlisted member of the army so he wasn't just an officer so that guy his father mr sergeant major timothy d simpson probably instilled a lot of good core values into trenton simpson and i have heard good things about his character regardless of the fact that he comes from a from someone who served 17 tours with the u.s army rangers yep and by the way, we're just joking around. It's an old school joke with me, Nick and I, of yeah. or Nick and me. I think is how you're supposed to say that. But um, uh, yeah, it's a it's a joke. Obviously, we both have the utmost respect for everyone in the military, and now I'm saying it right, military, because they're actually putting their lives on the line for us. So more than more than uh, no matter what what branch you're in. But Nick was, of course, a Marine. Let's make that clear. Um, all right, let's move on to Drew Sanders here, another linebacker who's viewed in this top three range by most people. Again, as we'll get to, I keep hinting at it, but. I would take the fourth linebacker for me. I don't even know if he's ranked for it. I don't care where he's ranked over both Sanders and Simpson. Uh, Jack Campbell's the only linebacker I would take over this guy who we're going to na- mention next. But let's talk Sanders for now. Six foot four, 235, a five star athlete and recruit, but recruited as an athlete. I love those ATHs. I remember when I used to play NCAA yeah. football back <laughs> in the day, I would just constantly recruit ATHs and then just pick the position for them. And it was one of my favorite oh, yeah. things to do. Um, I also rigged that game, by the way. I don't know if you ever rigged that game, but I would. I, I had a rigging process for that game, Nick, where I would create a pro. You know, you could create prospects and recruit them in that game. Did you ever do that? No, I did not. Okay. I'm not a cheater. No, well, you. First of all, this is. It's called. It's. It's called gaming. It's not the same as cheating. Gaming and cheating are different things. <laughs> Sounds like a euphemism to me. It's a different thing. Gaming and cheating is a very different thing. And we're going to have people weigh in on this if gaming and cheating are different things. But you could just traditionally create a prospect in that game, by the way. Like you can create like a wide receiver, Nick Filato, the slot guy, Nick Filato out of, out of FDE. And then that's fine. But what I would do is I would create a wide receiver and or it wouldn't work for wide receiver. I, you can do something. I would create like a fullback. Right. And I would do like blocking 10, 10. I would do like lowest grades ever for the fullback position. But then I would do like tackling 99 awareness like all the defensive like i like what you could be a great linebacker and i would draft i would i would recruit him as like a one or two star and put all my effort and, and stuff into recruiting him and then once he's on the team i just convert him to linebacker immediately and i would just do that for a lot of different positions and i would just have a mega team and it was a lot of fun i once created myself as the quarterback of the university of tennessee I made myself very fast, but every play I sprinted right. So, and I didn't have my blocking um, account for that. So my right tackle gave up, I think, 27 sacks in one season. <laughs> There's no chance the right tackle was ever going to get drafted. No, you ruined his career, unfortunately. But interesting to pick Tennessee. I would have never picked Tennessee. It's funny. Um, I just thought I was always Wisconsin, even back in the day when my, because my dad used to go there. That's why I started watching. But anyway, back to this Drew Sanders, back to the actual podcast five star recruit, athlete. Started a career at Alabama, and he played edge at Alabama. If this gives you a little bit of flashbacks to Micah Parsons, who started his career at Penn State and played edge and converted to linebacker, they're similar in that way. Not really any other way in my mind. I mean, somewhat in other ways, but not. Nah, he's not going to be Micah Parsons, I don't think. 
And then he moved to off ball linebacker. Um, apparently, you know, this is, this was a, a good move for him according to, you know, anyone who watches him because he had his best season. I think he had uh 2022 77.9 PFF grade overall. Uh, most pr- production was there more so than any other season, 63 tackles, 39 pressures and 11 sacks, which I thought was a really interesting thing here, the 39 pressures and 11 sacks. And so that's where, you know, what stands out to me most, like, can he be that Micah Parsons type that like gives you that flexibility? You can put him inside or you can kick him outside to the edge and he's going to win off the edge. Or is he someone who's kind of just like the light version of that who works at the college level, but when you get to the NFL level, it might not translate. But I'd say, I'd say that's where it's, that's where he stands out the most. My biggest, the biggest concern, Nick, and you can get into any of this is he had 22 missed tackles in 2022. That's a wild number for a single season, especially when you only had 63 tackles overall, almost a third. That's like a third of the attempts were, or a fourth of the attempts were missed. Um, so yeah, get into Drew Sanders. Yeah, it was very raw at linebacker. He hadn't played linebacker. Like you said, he was an athlete, five-star recruit, highly sought after. And I'm imagining Nick Saban was so pissed when he transferred to, to Arkansas and he started playing a linebacker there, but he was used as an edge rusher, as a blitzer, like you said, man, this guy had 39 pressures according to Pro Football Focus. I think he had eight sacks. Pro Football Focus doesn't count half sacks, and he had a couple half sacks in there. So I think it ended up being like eight or nine sacks. And if you watch him, dude, he's flying around the field in terms of <clears throat> pursuit. We brought up quarterbacks by with Trenton Simpson. I think Drew Sanders could easily do that. I think the Micah Parsons, look, no one's going to be Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is so unique. He is so rare. But can you take this linebacker and align him on the edge and him be a dangerous threat as an edge rusher? Absolutely. I think that is well within the range of outcomes for Drew Sanders. But if you're thinking he's going to be your inside linebacker, you're going to need a really good inside linebacker coach to teach him the nuance of playing that position. Because there were a lot of times where the guard or the center was climbing up the second level. He was backpedaling to get around him, just tried to get around him. Just wasn't necessarily somebody who knew the angles and the ability and had that ability to stack and shed in space and leverage his gaps. He's much more of a, I'm going to penetrate. I'm going to come forward and I'm going to blitz. And I'm going to have a lot of success doing that. I like Drew Sanders and I haven't done a full evaluation on him, but I've watched enough tape to comfortably talk about him. I like Drew Sanders more than Trenton Simpson. Like if you said, Dang. Nick, I pick 25. The Giants have to take a linebacker, and it's not Jack Campbell. Or even you could say the, the second pick. Mm-hmm. Which one would you want? It would be Drew Sanders, because I think Drew Sanders in a Wink Martindale type of defense, this is a much more athletic version of Micah McFadden and a much better version of Micah McFadden, who has an extensive history playing on the edge. We saw Wink Martindale use Micah McFadden on the edge in 2022 here and there. And it was just like, okay, yeah, like I like Micah McFadden coming forward, but that was a fifth round guy. This is a first round talent. I don't know if he'll go in the first round, but I think in this type of defense that Wink Martindale employed, you can align him on the edge. I think he would, I think he has the strength to hold up out there from what I saw, like setting the edge and doing things like that. It's different than kind of stacking and shedding in space at the second level as a linebacker, but it all comes down to the pass rush. What can you do to alter the opposing quarterback, the opposing passing game can you defeat tackles do you have a large repertoire of moves and he does man he's a pretty damn good pass rusher and every time he pinned his ears back to get after quarterbacks i was freaking intrigued i really was and when he was asked a quarterback spy he got a couple sacks just doing that where he was just spying the quarterback quarterback broke the pocket and then you just saw him shot out of a cannon excellent pursuit angles in space so I have some interest in Drew Sanders, just not at pick 25. I would rather probably take one of the edge rushers, like a BJ Ojolari or a Nolan Smith, if the Giants wanted to go in that direction. I don't think I would throw a fit if it was Drew Sanders. What are your thoughts on that? I feel like you nailed this perfectly, to be honest. Like I'm in the same exact boat with you because I don't want him at 25, but I wouldn't throw a fit either because I see so much at intrigue and upside based on his athlete. This is the... Him and Trent Simpson are both supposedly these super athletes, right? Or at least Trent Simpson is supposed to be. He looks the part. This guy, to me, is a much better athlete in space. And when I watch this guy, he's a much more fluid mover, like you said. I think he has the potential to be a sideline-to-sideline player. And you mentioned, like, oh, you can't just put him right in as your inside linebacker. That's good for the Giants, right? We talked earlier. Let's talk more about how he fits could fit the Giants' scheme. Well, he'd immediately help them, like what we talked about with Trent and Simpson, as a quarterback spy or kind of in that zone read game, more so as a quarterback spy, I would say. But also, I think he has potential to be 
that linebacker you want to put next to a player like Okereke. Like they don't need a traditional inside linebacker at this point after giving Okereke that long-term deal, medium-sized deal, whatever it is. He'll be here for a few years for sure. They could need, though, they could use somebody who has so much intriguing upside as a pass rusher like you talked about. You watch him. No, he's not Micah Parsons, but damn, he's more advanced than any of these other linebackers as a pass rusher, and I feel so much more comfortable with him. Like you talked about, we talked about Trenton Simpson had decent sack numbers, good pass rush grade. I didn't feel like it was watching the same kind of pass rusher watching Simpson and Sanders. Sanders has so much more to his game as a pass rusher. It's a more diverse set of moves. I just feel like he's twitchier than him for sure, in my mind oh, at yeah. least. And that's why I really like his upside. Like if they took him at 25, they're saying like, look, NFL is all about stopping the pass at this point. Let's get a guy in here who might be really good early on for us, even if it's just a sub package guy as a pass stop or a pass rusher to impact the pass game. And then maybe we start to move him in and convert him and teach him. And he learns the, the linebacker position even better. And he can help you in that regard too, on different sets of downs playing next to Okereke. So it's very intriguing to me. And I, I even just kind of like going over it now, I almost feel like he might be my linebacker too. Cause I think there is more upside than the guy I'm going to go over as my actual guy uh, or the guy I was, hinting at before who's not getting much buzz but i like a lot um i will say this about uh drew sanders this in my opinion just watching him i felt like in the run game he was more of the type of guy who was like trying to get around the blocks to make the play rather than like taking them head on i don't know what your thoughts are on that no absolutely i don't think he's nuanced in terms of playing the run within the box but i think you nailed it dan in terms of you bring this guy in you have him be that situational pass rusher early on. Wink Martindale said, hey, we're a positionless defense. This is a positionless player. He was recruited legit as a positionless player, right. as an athlete. And he was a edge, a backup edge, situational edge at Alabama, transferred. And now he's the linebacker at Arkansas, the star of the defense, a Buckus Award finalist. And I think he can come in and have an early impact on third downs and in sub packages. But as you said, man, you train him. You get him with the Giants coaching staff. You start developing and honing in on the skill set of playing linebacker. And now you have someone who paired with Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari would make a very, very potent pass rusher just on these lighter guys. That's not even including Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. And it's like, what do you want in an edge rusher? You want somebody who is refined. You want all of those things, but you want somebody who is explosive, has a good first step, somebody who can bend. He had a play against South Carolina where he bent around the edge, hit the quarterback arm as he was rearing back to throw and forced a fumble. And you could see his feet are pretty flat. He's able to swivel those hips and corner and bend through contact. He has that type of athletic ability. And then there was another play against Cincinnati that really comes to my mind where the tackle compensating for the speed that Drew Sanders has opened up a little bit too far. Right away, Sanders noticed it, swam inside, completely separated from the tackle. Running back, they put a running back to chip Drew Sanders as well. Comes in, chips Drew Sanders. Sanders just tosses him aside and then just goes and absolutely annihilates the quarterback. And those are two sacks that really stuck out to me because it just shows how advanced he is in terms of how he employs his hand usage. And it also shows the fact that he can win high side. He can bend through contact. We know the Giants already have a guy who can do that consistently in Aziz Ojolari. And I got to say this, man, Aziz Ojolari's bend, I feel like it was much more um much more profound this past season than it was even at Georgia like i, th- I think bj ojolari is a, was a bendier guy in college than aziz ojolari was but i don't know if bj ojolari is bendier than what aziz is now whereas Kayvon Thibodeau, i don't really view Kayvon Thibodeau as some like he can bend the edge but he's not he's not like those guys where their knees are like scraping off the ground and they still have their foot yeah. like flat in the deck yeah. drew sanders like Drew Sanders has upside to be that, and he has some tape to back that up. I don't think Drew Sanders is as bendy as a BJ Ojolari is in this draft or a Nolan Smith and players like that, but he could still win high side and threaten high side. And when you can do that and you have advanced counter moves and ability to string moves together, I'm automatically interested in you as an edge rusher. And you nailed it perfectly. He upside to potentially bend the edge at the next level, but also, like you said, the counter moves already there and that pass rush plan already there in a lot of ways. And then you add in more upside with a player like Drew Sanders. To me, it's 97 percentile length, right? 97 to height. He is a long athlete, long and lean. And what does that tell me? It tells me that if you get him in the right coaching staff, he can eventually also help you sideline to sideline as an off ball linebacker. Like if you can, obviously, you know, he has a long way to go there, but that's part of the projection. Like, and that's why I see, you know, a guy like him. And I feel so much more comfortable projecting a guy like him than Trenton Simpson to me, who just more so just looks the part and is rocked up and is good moving straight line. I know he's not a bad, he's not, he's good moving side to sideline, but like, 
I just don't see it as much there. And then also it's like in coverage, he's not there yet. Like you'll watch him in zone and yeah. he's just not in the right spot too. But when you have that kind of length, like you talked about earlier with Jack Campbell, Jack Campbell's already utilizing that length in a very good way in zone coverage. There's no reason Drew Sanders can't get there as well, given that he has the actual traits you need to be a long guy, getting your hands in passing lanes, understanding where to go with your eyes, understanding where to be in zone coverage. That's all just stuff he can be taught. And it doesn't necessarily mean it will work. It's just like with anything, these guys, it's all projection. Like, you take to the coaching. Some guys will pick it up faster than others. Some guys will never pick it up. And that's just the reality of it. But I still see the upside in all those ways with Sanders. So I am definitely intrigued with him. And the more we talk about him, the more I think I am stacking him up as my LB2 in this class. Because you said this earlier in the podcast. You're all about potential and prognosticating what the player can be based on his traits. I don't know if there's a linebacker in this class that has as much potential and traits as Drew Sanders. And I know a lot of it is applied to his ability to rush the passer, but we've already seen him do that at a high level in college. So now it's just refining the linebacker. So he can automatically provide value for your team like a Micah Parsons. Now, it's not going yep. to be to Micah Parsons level, but in that mold of, yeah, I'm a linebacker, but put me on the edge. I'll get after the quarterback. And I, I just really think there's a lot of upside with this player. Yeah, I like it. Now we're going to talk about a fourth player who I put in the same tier as the elite guys. If it was me, I'd probably have my tier be um, Jack Campbell, Drew Sanders, and then this guy and Trenton Simpson would not be in this tier for me. And that's a player who also in a lot of ways is raw, like Drew Sanders has a lot of projection to his game, but I like the projection and I like making the projection here. And it's Dion. I don't know if it's Dion or Dion. I would think it's Dion, but Nick thinks it's Dion. We're going to, someone will let us know what the truth is on that. But Dion Henley, uh, the linebacker out of uh, Washington State here who convert, who actually transferred there and converted from wide receiver. So let me just talk to you a little bit about why I like Dayon Henley so much. And I know, Nick, you haven't watched him much, but now you plan to. But So we can just go over some of the things I saw. First of all, he compares most athletically to two players, one of who I loved when he came into the draft. And you can find it on Twitter. And I was like, how is this guy not going to be the best value pick? And he ultimately ended up being one. And it was Matt Milano out of Boston College, the linebacker from uh, who the Bills selected, I believe, in either round five, six, or seven. It's either round five or seven. I can't remember. It was one of those odd numbers. And then he became one of the best inside linebackers in the NFL. Many people believe outside of Fred Warner, he's the most complete linebacker from what I've talked, from people I've discussed uh, who, who like to you know break down the film on it and see. And part of the reason is he was undersized and Dan Henley is compared to the rest of these guys, definitely undersized, right? He's six foot two twenty five. The rest of the guys we went over are like six foot four two thirty five. So there's a different level there, but man, you can see that he's a converted wide receiver immediately. When you watch his tape, he's so freaking fluid in coverage, man. And he offers so much upside in coverage. And then you talk about twitchy and sudden athletes. I think he's an even more twitchier athlete than drew Sanders. And I think both of those two guys are at, are, compared to the other two we've talked about are at a different level when it comes to just twitchiness from that athletic standpoint, the overall twitchiness, different level. And then also he has that acceleration, I think, when he's moving forward. So he really he has all the athletic traits. He's really good in coverage. And then the thing that you just don't expect from a guy like this, like when you see a player like D Diane Henley, you're going into the film and going into watching him, you're expecting to be like, all right, this guy's a converted receiver. You know, he's going to suck against the run. Like there's no way he's going to be good against the run. That's just what it is. And yet, 5.2% missed tackle rate, dude, last year. 5.2%, the lowest of anyone we've gone over. 90.3 tackling grade from pro football focus last year. So with all of that, and there's still a long way to go. I have a ton of weaknesses in his game that I've put up. I don't think he's good. In, like his spatial awareness isn't good. And there's there's instances where he just gets confused at the snap. Like he's just like you said with Drew Sanders. He's a converted from another position player. And unlike with Sanders who played edge, at least he played defense. This dude didn't even play defense. He played wide receiver. So there's going to be a long way to go in like the learning curve of becoming the linebacker that he's going to be, or that he wants to be. Also, I don't like that. He played four years at Nevada. Then he transferred to Washington state. So he's a sixth year senior. So or a fifth year, yeah, sixth year senior. So he's in that sense, an older prospect when the giants have at least based on last year, they weren't really into drafting older prospects. But if you're talking about someone who you want to carry the seam, as a linebacker in coverage, like and have that acceleration also to move downhill sideline to sideline and be fluid and flip your hips and coverage. Like this is the guy. And despite all of that, he's still at a 90.3 tackle grade, like I said, and a 5.2% missed tackle percentage. And one final thing to go over with him is just the overall athleticism, 88th percentile broad jump, 
86th percentile 40-yard dash, and 85th percentile 10-yard split. So it shows he has the acceleration, the long speed, and the explosiveness in his profile. So I am a huge fan of Diane Henley. So I haven't watched him. I saw the interception that he had, though, against, I think it was Idaho. It was it was like a yeah. smaller school. And that was one where he carried, I don't think it was a seam play. I saw it a while ago, but I remember he like undercut the route, and it seemed like he knew what the route was going to be. And you mentioned now he was a former wide receiver, so maybe he has a better feel for route concepts and offensive philosophy just because he played wide receiver. I think, what, what did he play wide receiver? How many years at Nevada? It wasn't, it Four wasn't, a ton. Or, or no, no, he no. wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. I don't know the exact was, thing. No. I think in like 2018, he played wide receiver. They started getting kind of mixed into defense. Then he made that full transition. Yeah. And by 2020, he started playing a lot of defense. 2021, he played a lot more. And then he transferred to Washington State. And he's also a player who went down to the Senior Bowl. And I, that's where I started hearing about him. And I've been meaning to get to his film. And I just haven't yet. So I'll, I'll do that shortly. And I'll try to have an evaluation over at Giants Country on his skill set. Because Giants, they're in the linebacker market. I mean, Okereke, that's excellent. But I don't know if you can rely on Darian Beavers right now. And then Michael McFadden, I don't know if this coaching staff loves him. Same with Dane Belton. I could be wrong. I could be completely off. They're cheap guys who can still earn their right. Like, I'm not trying to put these guys down, but they were both benched when the Giants did not have a lot of depth on this roster. And they were benched in favor of Jason Pinnock and a guy who literally was cut by the Lions, it was on the waivers for the Lions, I should say. It was on the practice squad. And so, both. yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, like, and that quote that Joe Shane also had where yeah. Joe Shane was talking about like, now I know what Wink Martindale is looking for in defenders. Whereas last draft, I didn't really know. That's not saying, Hey, I drafted a bunch of idiots. These guys suck, but it might suggest, Hey, these guys aren't ideal fits for what Wink Martindale actually wants this year. We're going to find those players to really fit the system because I know what he's looking for. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we'll see if that plays out as he quote, as the quote was, because we don't know if he was telling, you never know with these GMs, if they're what, if you can take what they're saying at face value, but it's definitely something to know. And just one final thing on Henley, before we wrap up here, we talked earlier about like, let's discuss how they fit the giants, right. And how they fit what's currently on the roster. That's kind of why I like him so much. Like it's either him or Sanders for LB two for me. And I like both what they bring and they bring completely different things. But we talk about what the giants actually need. What did they do immediately in free agency at linebacker? They found someone who can play the run and help them against their just biggest deficiency, but it wasn't their only deficiency at linebacker last year. Part of what killed them last year was teams that took advantage of them, the linebackers and pass coverage. There were so yep. many plays we watched on film where Jalen Smith just add, takes himself out of pass lanes for no good reason. Right. Or, or, you know, you get a matchup one-on-one -on -one against Dontrell Hilliard, whoever that guy was on the Titans. I think it's Dontrell Hilliard's name. I don't know yeah. or care. It's a Hilliard. And he's just burning them for multiple touchdowns. Cruising. This is the, to me, like you put a Henley in there. That's the cookie cutter perfect fit you need uh, with Okereke. Because like you said, he's a former receiver who understands these route combinations. He's going to put himself in good position. And even if he doesn't, he has the hip fluidity and the acceleration to get himself back in position to make plays in the passing game. He's immediately like a Michael Boley type that you write on that defense, former linebacker in my mind. That's what, like, in some ways he reminds me of him. He compares to Matt Milano. I talked about, and Deion Jones is actually is like most highest comparable from an athleticism standpoint. And I could totally see that Jones is a converted safety who played linebacker for a little bit in the NFL in a different kind of system. But I just think when you look for the fit, he can definitely fit really well. So he's actually a player who I'm going to be really interested in with their second round pick. So will Sanders if Sanders falls. I think Sanders is so much less likely to fall because the NFL puts a premium on pass rushing. So someone's going to want him in their system. But if Henley falls there, like if it's Henley or Simpson for me, it's Henley any day by far for me. Um, and it's not even close really for me. I would just wouldn't even consider taking the Simpson type over him. And we'll see what happens there. But I'm very excited about him. He's probably my sleeper in this class at that position because I haven't seen any real buzz on him to be completely honest. Just a little bit around the senior bowl. And yeah, one more thing that you mentioned about the giants pass coverage, like that was week one with Dontrell Hilliard, who had two touchdowns and another huge play. We saw it all season teams scheming against the linebackers. And we saw it really on display in the, in the divisional round. That's where we saw it. That like, I, again, man, like, they have all the explosive ability, the Philadelphia Eagles, to create explosive plays down the field. They did it all season. Against the Giants, they hit like two plays to Devonta Smith, and they were just like, no. And I think I brought this up recently on a podcast, but they were just like, nah, you know what? These guys can't cover. They suck. We're just going to run the football, run RPOs, run zone read, and just take advantage of the fact that these linebackers have no idea what the hell they're doing. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. It was 
short little pass to the running back. It was short little pass to Dallas Goddard. It was short little pass to Devonta Smith. It was let's align two by two set both the two by twos outside the numbers and just spread these guys out because we can run the football into this light box. Linebackers are going to have no idea what to do. We're going to put all the stress on Xavier McKinney and these safeties because the linebackers suck that bad. And that's exactly what freaking happened. And anytime the giants took Dexter Lawrence off the field, they just ran the football. So the giants know that the giants are smart. They're going to rebuild this defense and they're not going, they're going to at least attempt to not allow that to happen. But it's really difficult when you have the Eagles in your division, because I hate to freaking a minute, they're a factory in terms of just getting offensive linemen and replacing their offensive linemen and having contingency plans in place. Like they lost Isaac Siamalu. He ended up signing somewhere else. They have Cam Jurgens, who was a center at yeah. what, Nebraska. And now they might slide him over there with Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey right. coming back, Lane Johnson. Like they have just such a Jordan Mailata, an Australian guy who was a rugby player that they got in the seventh round. Like they just can't do anything. Now, like the best left tackle in the NFL, some people think. It's 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 silly. It's Andrew, silly. And Andrew, and I, sorry, I didn't mention it. Tried beside our boy and Trent Williams. I don't want to disrespect Thomas. Yeah. Thomas, baby. Nah, but it's uh, the Giants are going to fix that second level. I don't think they're done, but we'll have to wait and see. I don't know if it's going to be on day one or day two, though. I agree with you. It might not be on day one or day two, but these are, these are the type of players we might be intrigued. And so we talked today about Jack Campbell, linebacker at Iowa, Trenton Simpson, linebacker out of Clemson, Drew Sanders, linebacker at Arkansas, and then Dayon Henley, linebacker out of Washington State. Thank you so much for tuning into Big Blue Banter Podcast. I keep forgetting to do this at the beginning, but remember, if you want to help us grow, you can do it for free. It won't cost you anything. It will just take, it will cost you 13 seconds of your time. So if that's valuable to you, and it should be, I don't know how valuable to you, hopefully not as valuable as what it is to us for you guys to help us. That should be more valuable, I hope. And you could go ahead over to Spotify or iTunes and please make sure you subscribe to our podcast. You leave a rating and review. If you leave a five-star rating and review and you drop your mock draft in there, we're going to review your mock draft on the coming podcast through the next month. So put your mock draft in, we'll review it. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, please do a favor and hit the like button right now. Just stop everything you're doing and click like. Then hit subscribe and hit the bell button. But click the like button anytime you're watching the video, please. Otherwise, have a great your week, and we'll talk to you soon.